Handle on the News. Handle on the News! Handle is more than enough. He needs to be gone. Get rid of him. And now, here's Bill Handel. Fourth, uh, and as usual, so much going on. What ends up happening on the show? Uh, I don't know if people know that. It's a question of winnowing down, and it's difficult. I once interviewed George Carlin. Actually, George Carlin was a huge fan of this show. Uh, He would call in on a regular basis. Uh, He would call my house. We exchanged uh, phone numbers. You guys were buddies? I don't know buddies. I mean, it's not like we hung out, but uh, uh, he would call me, and I'd call him, and he would comment on the show. Anyway, uh, it was, what I asked him he would do is one-hour HBO specials. And he, he did a lot of them. And his stand-up, he, he changed his stand-up on a regular basis, probably more so than any other comedian. Because usually comedians have a, uh, you know, they have their set routine, stand-up. Yeah. Uh, and I asked him, I said, uh, you know, how do you come up with stuff that you can change so much? He goes, are you kidding the hardest part of my job is winnowing down what I'm not going to say. And he would, uh, every day, he had paper and he would grab ideas. He'd be in a restaurant and he'd take a napkin and write down and he had stacks of ideas. Fascinating guy. Anyway, so much to talk about. That actually worked, that segue. Okay, uh, fair enough. A uh, quick hello to Jennifer Jones-Lee. Hi, Handel. Good morning, and there's uh, Wayne Resnick. Good morning. And uh, Alex. Good morning, and uh, Engineer Bill over there. No, I'm Engineer Bill, old-time cartoon guy here. And uh, you grow up with it. Kids know who I'm talking about, Engineer Bill. It was just a real stupid kid show. Uh, Engineer John Ramirez. Right, I like that. Engineer. So you're calling him an engineer. Not really. I'm because making... off the air, right before the show started, when Jennifer called him the engineer, you said, he's not an engineer. That's correct. I like to call them engineers. Of course you do. Nothing wrong with being with saying board up. I just like engineer. Yeah. They're the one engineering the show. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Let's let's no, no. It's here's the deal. Whenever I can make fun of Ramirez, I can I make fun of him. He is so open to it. I mean there's And me. There's so much to it. Yeah, it's true. So is everybody else. You guys ready to do it? Okay. Uh lead story. And our big story, too, before we get to this, because this is big, but you were talking about whittling down, and this is where I want to slip this in. So we're going to be following this all day, and I don't have a ton of details on what happened, but North Korea says it has demolished its nuclear test site, and they had foreign journalists there, but that's it. They had no investigators from any other governments there. Any American journalists? Either one, yes. And I think he was, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember where he was from, but in, yes. Info, it was Alex in, Jones. Yes, InfoWars. <laughs> oh, was, great no, minds we think alike. Both, that's right. We were both so, on the same page. Uh, it's a, uh, I'll look it up. Uh, Tracy, something Tracy. I can't think of his first name now. Anyway. Yeah, from from Leather Lads Quarterly. No, I think he's like maybe <laughs> CBS. I'm not sure. But anyway, what they did was they claim they set off explosions at three tunnels and observation towers. Now, who knows how much of those explosions actually go toward? Yeah, we don't know. You know, it's, America's gonna, demand of denuclearization. Yeah, we're going to find out because there's so much controversy there. As in, uh, it couldn't even be used anymore because the mountain that was being used it, is about to collapse, and 
Uh, and so he really gave nothing up, and it was right. just all show. That's one side of it. So, Will, as this story breaks uh, open throughout the morning, I'm sure you'll be reporting. We might have it. to wait three months, though, to get any information. Because the American journalist is from a quarterly magazine. Oh, that's right. That's true. Okay, here we go, guys. We'll do this again, and thank you for that. So, second lead story. See? 30 suspected gang members uh, and associates were arrested yesterday in a major sweep that targeted the Mexican mafia and its control of drug smuggling, narcotics sales, or extortion of prisoners inside the L.A. County jail system. They control the system. And we, we knew that. I mean, there's no surprise there. Now there was just an investigation, and a bunch have uh, been indicted. Uh, and uh, what do you have? They were arrested, not indicted yet. And uh, it was both uh, some in jail, some out of jail, but it had to do with what was going on. No, no, they are, they are indicted. What happened? Oh, here, what happened indicted. here is first the indictment came down, and then they uh, then were able to go them. out and get a lot of them. Got it. But they think guys. they got the current leader, so they have a name to it. Is but they think they got the big guy. Well, it looks like the national anthem debate is kind of put to bed by the NFL. I don't know. Now people are all up in arms about this. So the NFL said, okay, how about this? How about you can stay in the locker room? We're not going to require you as a player to go out on the field during the national anthem. But if you do go out on the field during the national anthem, you got to stand. Otherwise, you'll be fined. Yeah, I, I'm going to do more about this on seven, at 7 o'clock. There is a world to this topic mm-hmm. and the decision. I mean a world with 10 layers on it. And uh, whether I can even do it in two segments, I don't know. But uh, it's not only the politics of it, President Trump, what he said, uh, very controversial. Wow, what a shocker. What the president said is controversial. And uh, First Amendment and players and what uh, the penalties are and who's being penalized and uh, just all of it. Uh, Is it going to go to court? Uh, Just it's fascinating. So I'll be doing more of that at seven o'clock. Federal judge has ruled that President Trump cannot block you on Twitter. I will tweet. Judge Naomi Buchwald said it is a violation of your First Amendment rights for the president to block you from his Twitter account. Uh, only parts of it. Well, the, See, there's, the, it's, it's, it's weird. Li- it's I don't limited. know how you separate. She's saying the interactive space where you may directly engage with the yes. content. But I don't understand how you separate that out because when you tweet, Bill, people see the tweet and they can retweet it, they can like it, they can reply. So you can't separate seeing your tweet from the ability to interact with it. Uh, Well, he's blocked people from retweeting or he's blocked people from interacting, right? Right. I mean, they can see it. They just can't interact. But the judge uh, is that how it, I thought if you blocked so. somebody, they I don't can't know. see your tweets. Uh, and what uh, it's it depends on the blocking who the uh, who the president can block and for what reasons. You're going to talk about very, this. I later, am going right? to talk about can, it. But and, and I want to ask you if you remember or I'll remind you, could you talk a little bit about the fact that she said, I'm making this ruling. I'm not granting relief. It's only a declaratory judgment. So my question is, how is that not relief? Well, it, it, is she saying it's a violation of the First Amendment to block the people, but I'm not ordering you to unblock them? I don't know. Wouldn't ordering him to unblock them be right. the relief? Uh, and and a declaratory, uh, declaratory judgment, that is a judgment. 
and it says in the the big picture you can't. I mean, it's uh, it's a weird rule. You know, Maybe I'm not bit, saying she's wrong or right. I know, I'm it saying it's a, an odd, and it is, and maybe a little bit too wonky. Could it just be a ruling going forward though? Like, oh, it is you know a ruling going I mean? forward. So she doesn't have uh, to so he doesn't consider have to, what happened. In he the doesn't past. have to unblock the people he's already blocked. Also, I, don't know. I know, and then I'll shut up. But she said you can't block them for their political views. Right? What if somebody tweets like you suck? Is that a political statement? That's a good what point. What if somebody tweets, your hair looks like Cheetos? Is that a political statement, the, or can you block that person? This is an example of a, either a statute or a court case, a decision by a court uh, by a judge, that it's the permutations are so great, and it's so vague that it, it, your questions, I mean, it just is, there's so much to it, and, and I want you to join me uh, coming up at uh, 7.30 on this. And uh, we're going to come back, do more Handle on the News, and your chance to win $1,000. Okay, Jen. KFI Handle here on a Thursday morning. Before we get to more news, uh, here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. The winner's notified with a phone call, which you must answer like Lupe in Victorville did. Your next chance to win $1,000 coming up next hour. All right, uh, we go back. Uh, the big stories that we are covering today, uh, North Korea nuclear site has been demolished. Uh, the NFL kneeling decision, NFL's come down on the kneeling decision. I'll talk more about that at 7 o'clock. And all the bumpers today, all the bumper music is from the year or years, in this case, that John and Alex graduated high school, 2010 and 2011. Tomorrow, it is me. And... My commencement speech tomorrow. What time again? Uh, what are we doing? 7.30. Okay. Commencement speech. All right. Back we go. More Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. It's back. My name is Jared Kushner. Kushner got his security clearance restored. All of my actions were proper. Remember he had it stripped? Oh, yeah. It was just... In uh, February. Yep. Uh, and uh, he has also sat now twice... Uh, with uh, interviews uh, uh, regarding uh, his uh, involvement with the Russians. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to uh, the Kushner team, that's it. Uh, They're all finished uh, with the inquiries, and uh, Kushner is basically off the hook. Well, he had a temporary clearance, and they just claimed that it was taking a really long time for it to go through and And that sort of thing. And they brought it back. And I'm I'm surprised the president didn't override everything. Because the president has the right to clear anybody, I think. But it, I think that because the reason that Kushner's uh, clearance was taken away, his interim clearance, is not because of anything he did, because of that Rob Porter guy right. who was working there for so long and was supposedly beating yeah. his wife and doing all these terrible things. They pulled back all the interim clearances. It's just that Jared, you know, the they were, press right. focused Those, on him a lot. That's right. yes, true. Interim clearances. But it took a very long time. Yeah. Even to this day, uh, the people that finally got clearances, it took months and months. Oh, and yeah. it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Uh, got a baby who's teething. The FDA says don't use any of those over-the-counter teething medicines. My only tooth, my lonely these are any products that have benzocaine right. uh, because apparently there is some danger of a condition where the, the oxygen level in the blood 
drops Weird. to a very low level. So the point is, you know, it might, it probably wouldn't happen, but why take that risk? And also the benzocaine part, uh, which is local and uh, the anesthetic, uh, wears wears off in just a matter of hours or days. I mean, it's not going to stay there forever, which is why when my kids were little ones, yeah, we used rocks to teeth them. How did that work out? Very well. <laughs> now, yeah. the teeth were a little worn away, but none of this benzocaine crap. Could you have just used a teething ring? Oh, my goodness. No, those cost money. That's true. Rocks are free. You are frugal. That is true. <laughs> All right. Pamela's crying again. Marjorie, go out to the garden and get a rock. Get a rock. <laughs> like Charlie Brown. I got a rock. All right. An eight-year-old is not going to be charged after he took a gun to school. Got a gun. Uh, Actually, I think it's the father. Yeah, the father. I'm sorry, the father. And well, also the eight-year-old after. is not going to be charged. <laughs> right. But. but yeah, so the little kid took uh, his, he took his eight-year, or he's eight years old. He took his gun to school in Pacoima last night. Gun not loaded. Um, and now the the dad, who's 33 years old, did have the handgun in an right. unlocked case. No, wait a minute. I'm very confused. Okay, here's... The man, the kid is the man's cousin. cousin. Who happened to Not be... Not his son. Yeah, it's because people have I'm kids in different ages. Yes, you are. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> let me let me. That's okay. Let, let me straighten this out, news lady. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, that is, he. I think he would have been guilty because the kid uh, went up to the cabinet... And took the gun from an unlocked gun case. Right there, boom, uh, you see liability. However, the gun was inoperable. It had been locked. There was no way there was a trigger lock. There was no way that gun could have been fired. So effectively, it became just a piece of metal in the shape of a gun. And couldn't he, too, because this gun case was like seven or eight feet high, couldn't they say that he kept it out of reach of the child? You could, but kids have a way of crawling up. Obviously, he did. uh, He uh, was able. He could have been charged. at that point, it's negligence. But the fact is, it was so inoperable, it could never have been shot in that in uh, uh, under those circumstances. So I can see uh, where uh, he got off. Yeah, I can see that. Making sure uh, now he'll be locking uh, the gun case. I'm sure he had a nice long conversation with the police. Okay, let's take a break and uh, let's go over to. Uh... <laughs> All right, here we go. KFI handle here on a Thursday, May 21. Uh, oh, we've already given away $1,000. Oh, here we go. And uh, uh, we'll be doing this every five minutes. Justice! Yeah, please donate to help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California. $400 donation. You and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all of us. KFI hosts and crew, actually, it's going to be, we're going to have more fun talking to you than you are going to have talking to us. Unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the uh, OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A. You have to be 21. 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign earthquake. I want to figure out how uh, I can, we have an earthquake happen in the middle of uh, this promotion. That would be entertaining. Limited tickets. For details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the keyword is Mixer. And at 9.30 today, uh, you and Rod pile with cool sky space news. That's very good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay, uh, let's do it. Uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, this is a rough story. A lawsuit's been filed against the Moreno Valley Unified School District. 
A third grader is accused of sexually assaulting a classmate with special needs. That is the allegation multiple times, allegedly, including when the teacher was in the classroom. Here's the problem with this lawsuit. Uh, It's one of those where the allegations are kind of outrageous. Well, they are. They're outrageous. And all of a sudden you go, really? Uh, One of them, it had happened while the teacher was there. Uh, The uh, victim spoke uh, to her mother, uh, telling her to help me have this girl. It's a girl, by the way, to a girl, uh, just explaining what happened. So uh, the plaintiff uh, calls the girl's mother the next day. The mom said, I'll take care of it. Uh, She then alerts the homeroom teacher who didn't take care of it. The principal and the school psychologist said they would report it to the police. They didn't report it to the police And instead, the lawsuit said the principal made the victim, elementary school student, sign a statement to avoid liability. I mean, come on. Is that believable? I I have a hard time believing this. It's uh, it's one of those where the allegation is so insane. I mean, you hope not. Uh, uh, Come on. How does that, first of all, a a principal saying to a a nine-year-old sign a statement avoiding liability? Just doesn't make sense. Makes no sense. Okay. Well, the Federal Transportation Board says it wants seat belts on all new large school buses. We're driving in the car. Yeah, in aftermath no of that uh, horrible accident that uh, ran the, the bus ran into the dump truck, dump truck and it was Jersey. taken off the chassis. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's I, I'm wondering why the uh, NTSB doesn't uh, mandate and you would think- to existing buses. It's not that big a deal to put seatbelts in every single seat on a school bus. Because that's required in California, I think. And I believe that we had to go in and renovate our school buses already. And I didn't I, hear anybody complain yeah, too I don't much know. about it. There's I, a tremendous... I mean, this is, doesn't explain why the, the Transportation Safety Board can't mandate it. But many states have tried to pass mandatory seatbelts in the bus. Tremendous resistance what because, the, of the, because of the cost. It's going to cost us $20 million to put seatbelts on all these buses. We don't want it. I mean, you'd think when you're talking about the safety of children in a school bus that you wouldn't want to quibble about the cost. But a lot of states have been. Even if you want to quibble about the cost, let's think about the cost of when your butt gets sued after there's some horrible, tragic accident. And you could have have put seatbelts in. Yes, and you could have put seatbelt in and avoided the whole thing completely. Just insanity. Oh, I love this story. I love this one. Uh, A a boy from Fullshear, Texas, wrote a letter to the police officer who pulled his mom over. Let us read it now. Dear Fullshear police officer, thank you for pulling my mom over because she deserved it because she took my phone away and I did not like it. And how she always brags about how good of a driver she is. And it just annoys me. And how that one time she got pulled over because she did not have her sticker on her window. And when she came home and told me, I just laughed. I'm a senator, so I'm a oh, man, that's fun. So although, the police posted that. Yeah, although I this kid gets too much older with this attitude. Yeah, and there's going to be a little mattress yeah, no in that and household. And thank you for pulling her over because she took my phone away. Right. Yeah, she deserved it. That's true. He has a strong but misplaced sense of justice. For sure. Well, the education secretary tells Congress that schools should decide whether to report undocumented students to ICE. It should be on them. You're as cold as ice. 
Yeah, here's uh, the problem. Uh, the argument is if the schools do inform ICE, first of all, I don't even know how school knows if someone is legal or illegal. They can't ask. But let's say they do report to ICE. Uh, the argument is it's in clear violation of a 1982 Supreme Court decision uh, that uh, said K-12 to schools, they can't deny access to public education. Uh, based on immigration status. I mean, right there. And, he, and the argument is, well, we're not stopping them from uh, an education. Well, if you report them to ICE, why are you doing that? It's because of the whole concept of deportation. It's And even if it is not about the students being deported, their parents, that's effectively the students being deported. What parent who's being deported is going to leave a fourth grader in school? They can't. So anyway, DeVos is DeVos. I mean, she is, uh, you wonder why the educational system hates her. A Border Patrol agent shot and killed a female migrant while uh, patrolling in Rio Bravo, Texas. Got a report of a activity in that town. Responds to the scene and the Border Patrol agent says that the people there started beating him up. Uh, I think with two by fours. And he shot. And he shot and uh, shot this woman right in the head. Right. They tried to give her CPR at the scene, but she died. And now, now uh, the FBI's looking into it. Right. Now, now uh, this is where witness statements always come in and how you can't believe witnesses, usually on either side. Uh, the cop said that they were beating me with two by fours. There is video that a woman took uh, after the fact, after the shooting. She's screaming in Spanish at the Border Patrol guy. Why did you mistreat them? Why did you shoot the woman? You killed the woman. And then they they shot her in the head for running. They killed her. So according to the witness, this woman was just running away and was shot in the head. According to the Border Patrol agent, she was beating him up with a two-by-four or a group. I don't think they, he, I don't think they connected to the, they can this both woman. They true because right. maybe a group of people are beating him up, and, and this he shoots, woman runs away, and he fires yeah. the gun, and it hits her. Right. That's, uh, that, this is why you need a video of the entire thing. And as he shoots, is there still liability because he is shooting to defend himself because his life is in danger, and he misses— and a woman is hit in the head. Therefore, he is liable. Because he should have been a good shot, I guess, while he was beaten up, uh, being beaten up by four people with two-by-fours. And so it, this, this is one of those. Of course, a lawsuit will be filed, and it's going to be days of testimony. Okay, uh, we're going to come back uh, for the last part of Handle on the News. handle here okay breaking news and it's huge uh the president just pulled out of uh the summit meeting with kim jong-un so obviously we have to look into that it is massive news so uh the trump kim summit will not happen i'm seeing now there's a letter that president trump sent to kim and he says 
I'm paraphrasing parts of it here, uh, for the good of both parties, but to the detriment of the world. This is my decision. Trump says a meeting would be inappropriate after some recent angry and hostile statements by North Korea. Trump said Kim shouldn't hesitate to call or write if he changes his mind. Trump's letter ends. This missed opportunity is a truly sad moment in history. So the uh, how about the how about the last sentence of the first paragraph of this letter to Kim Jong Un? You talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. We're back to we're 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 slipping back back into the two little children yelling at each other. So and there goes the Nobel Peace Prize for President Trump. So it's going to be limited to Kim Jong Un. Who is going to get the Nobel Peace Prize? Man. I doubt it. What about Moon? Moon and Moon and Un? Yeah, Moon. Actually, Moon deserves it more than anybody else. He's yeah. the one that re- is aggressively putting it all together, and he may have over. He may have spoken too quickly and and overspoken. Uh, that is, uh, a lot of people are saying that. Wait, you know, you really jumped the gun here, and it's so. Let's put this together. No surprise. We knew this over the last couple of days as the president was talking about uh, how he may pull out, how it may not happen, maybe it'll happen later. So now are we going back to square one, or is this a blip? I don't know. You've had North Korea, you know, warning of a nuclear showdown. You had him calling uh, President or Vice President Pence a dummy. I mean, he... <laughs> Oh, and then the president with uh, the rocket man, although they've stopped... They haven't done personal attacks on each other for uh, several months now. Yeah, and even in this letter, he calls him, uh, dear Mr. Chairman. You know, I mean, he's not not throwing barbs in the He's not a little man. He's not the guy with a bad haircut. He's not the guy that Supercuts had to refund the money to. Wow. Come on, look at that. It, it, that haircut is astounding, isn't it? It's like 1985 called uh, wants its haircut. Back. The only thing that, the only <laughs> missing is a mullet. You know, Bad. with the side uh, cut off, it would be, uh, the sides all shaved off. It's, it's a great haircut. All right, let's actually do a couple more stories before uh, we bail out of here. All right, Facebook is its pilot program to cut down on revenge porn is going to roll out to more countries with a porn, little bit porn, of a revision. Porn, porn. Tracky. Hello, Kid Monster. You are ruining my song. Wow, I haven't heard the song. Revenge porn, of course, is, you know, when you have intimate or, you know, nude or even whatever photos of your ex and you put it out there. Well, now users will reach out to one of Facebook's partners and uh, they say that they'll get an online form requesting to submit revenge porn photos. Well, or it could so, be revenge porn. It's a little, I, I don't I, quite understand how this works. It's, they're producing photos that could be used no, here's in revenge what it is. porn. I, I don't it's really. A, it's, it's, I mean, I, under, I understand from the technological standpoint what they're trying to do, but this is what it is. You don't want Marjorie getting mad at you and posting that sexy right. nude picture she took. Wow. So Facebook wants to help you make sure she can't. So here's what you have to do. You have to send that photo right. to Submit Facebook it. so they can hash hash it, basically give it an individual identifying code. And if that comes and back. And then if it gets posted, they can sense. immediately stop it. But you've okay. got to give them the thing that you don't want people to see. Yeah, okay. and I just feel like that, ooh, like what could go wrong? Well, I'd rather have someone attempt to stop it with Facebook and uh, revenge porn. Uh, if some guy in, in some office in Switzerland is looking at uh, the photos, I mean, just has a good time or a small group of people. Uh, 
I think it's I would do it. You would rather have you would rather know that a small group of people will right. see it for, to, in order to put this system in place so. than to risk having the world I think see so. it. I think so. I think so. All right. Uh, we are uh, finished with handle on the news late. Uh, no, early edition. And we're going to be talking about uh, Kim Jong-un a lot. And the president, it's over. The summit is gone. And then coming up, uh, another big decision yesterday, the NFL kneeling decision. And that one's a little complex. And I think uh, to an extent, the future of uh, football is uh, at risk here. Not hugely, but I think there is, I think the future of football is going to be going, is going to skew. And I'll explain why. KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here. It is a uh, Thursday morning. Oh boy, news breaking this morning like crazy. Just a little while ago, uh, the uh, president has uh, pulled out of uh, the talks uh, with uh, Kim Jong-un. The summit is off. And uh, the reason the president is giving is because of the hostile statements that have recently been made by Kim against the United States. So as more of it comes in, of course, uh, we'll share with you. And I'm looking at the letter itself. It's actually a very gracious letter. Uh, there's one line that's kind of uh, up in the air. You talk about your nuclear nuclear capabilities, but ours is so are so massive and powerful. I pray to God they'll never have to be used. So other than that, quasi-threat, the rest of it is extremely very gracious uh, and uh, leaving it wide open. We'd love, I'd love to meet with you. Uh, if you change your mind uh, about effectively how you're dealing with us, what you're saying about us, I'll sit down. We've missed a great opportunity and hope that we're able to go back to that. So uh, we'll talk more about this for sure as the morning, uh, as the morning progresses. Now, yesterday uh, in uh uh, this would have been big news, far greater news, uh, but for the, uh, the summit. But it's still it's still kind of interesting because it says a lot about uh, what really is our national pastime, even though baseball claims it is. Uh, it's really football. Uh, it's football that uh, is billions and billions of dollars. Okay, so the NFL owners reached a consensus uh, yesterday on the issue of kneeling we're not kneeling during the national anthem. It all started with uh, uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick, who uh, kneeled. He was, uh, a, at that time, a quarterback. Uh, no longer. He can't get a job, and there's an issue there. But here is the new policy. Players who choose not to stand for the national anthem, you can stay in the locker room. If you go onto the field and you kneel, during the anthem, the team is going to get fined. That's the part that I find so interesting. The player himself does not get hey, Handel, fined. Can I interrupt you really Please fast? Do. Mike Pompeo is uh, speaking right now about the North Korean summit. Only you know what? Let's go to him. That matters. Someday, I look very much forward to meeting you. In the meantime, I want to thank you for the release of the hostages who are now home with their families. That was a beautiful gesture and was very much appreciated. This is the letter. If you change your mind having to do with this important summit, please do not hesitate to call me or write. The world, and North Korea in particular, has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is a truly sad moment in history. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump, 
President of the United States of America. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, sir. We want to thank you for joining us today. And, and although um, you're here for a confirmation, you were here just six weeks ago for your confirmation hearing. Uh, in just a month, uh, again, I want to commend you on an energetic and forceful start to your tenure. We hold a budget hearing each year, and that's the formal subject this is of Senator today's Corker. meeting. And, I think we can get away from that because talk. the big statement, now they're going to get into uh, the weeds of uh, the State Department and uh, what the policy is. And uh, this is going to go for hours on hours and hours. All right. So as news breaks, uh, we'll share it with you. And uh, Jen, please feel free to interrupt at any point because okay. this, is, this is a big, big deal. Uh, and are we going to put that letter up? I think you can just, at this point, you can find it any place. Uh, and it's a letter from uh, the presidency, uh, the president uh, to, and I'm reading now uh, how the letter starts, to His Excellency Kim Jong-un, Chairman of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People, uh, People's Republic of Korea, Pyongyang. The excellency part, I don't understand. I guess if that's the way he is referred to, I mean, certainly chairman of the State Affairs Commission. Maybe over there they refer to him as his excellency. excellency. And, and, and it's just, uh, I guess, uh, the president uh, referring to him as he is referred to uh, in his country. Just diplomacy, sort of. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that is, uh, it, we go back to uh, what uh, Kim Jong-un always wanted and still wants, legitimacy. Legitimacy as a world leader, legitimacy as uh, a bona fide head of state of a country that should be recognized, both in terms of uh, simply as a country within the community of nations and as a nuclear power. And as a nuclear power that is not a threat to the world, because their position is... And we don't know if uh, this, uh, how legitimate their position is uh, in terms of reality. But the position of Kim Jong-un and the leadership, his father, his grandfather, has always been, it's always a defense. We take our military as a defensive military. We are not interested in offensive war. Although, if you look at the Korean War, it was the North that invaded the South, incidentally, uh, just for a historical note, uh, and uh, the uh, attempt to unify uh, the Koreas. That's always been a major, major issue. I think less so with Kim Jong-un. His father, a little bit, his grandfather uh, was uh, Kim Jong-sun, I think was his name. I know it was Il, the second name. Do I have that right? It's, it's Kim Jong. Uh, it's Kim Jong-sung, who was uh, the father who created North Korea. Anyway, or the grandfather. In any case... Uh, it's a defensive uh, posture that the Kims always took. And with the creation of his nuclear capabilities, it's not to attack, it's to defend. But it's to wipe out the United States if the United States first attacks North Korea. Now, is that true? Does Kim really believe that the United States... And its proxy, South Korea, is actually going to attack the North? Uh, I think it's mainly for public consumption. That's certainly the way I read it. And I think people, the people that know, I mean, the experts read it different ways. But the bottom line is, 
that uh, I think there was a massive opportunity that was lost both by the United States and by North Korea. I think the United States could have done more. The United States could have, for example, suspended the military exercises with South Korea that North Korea has always interpreted as in as an exercise in anticipation of the attack that it was that in fact the exercises on our side are not defensive but offensive and we view the nuclear capabilities of theirs as offensive and so it's over the president just uh knocked out uh the summit uh, but writing a letter leaving it wide open gracious letter and saying the reason he's pulling out is simply because of the statements, uh, the tremendous anger and openly hos- and open hostility displayed in your most recent statements. This is a letter to Kim Jong-un. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, uh, maybe a little bit more on the NFL. We'll do that. And then as uh, more news breaks, we'll, uh, of, of course, share it with you. Also, when we come back, your chance to win $1,000. Oh, yeah. Music. And uh, we're doing music from the graduation years of all of us. This is uh, John and uh, the infamous Alex year they graduated. And then uh, tomorrow, it's my year of graduation. Can't wait. Yeah. Oh, this is a great song. I've always liked this song. Isn't it? It's a neat song. All right. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. If you win, they're going to call you. But if you don't answer, you won't win. Joyce in Artesia answered that call, and she won $1,000. You've got another chance to win next hour. All right. Uh, the stories that we're covering, the big one that just broke is the summit is off. Uh, the president has written a letter to Kim Jong-un saying, no, thank you. And uh, that'll be talked about all morning, especially as more information comes out. Okay, back we go to the NFL's decision yesterday where the NFL owners uh, reached consensus uh, saying, here's our new policy to you players. If you choose not to stand for the national anthem, stay in the locker room. No coming out and kneeling. Uh, Don't know about the arms locking yet. I don't think they were that specific. And it's a and showing respect for the class, uh, for the flag. I don't know what showing respect means. Is it not moving? Is it not looking away from the flag during the anthem? Is it not fidgeting? I have no idea what that means. Uh, kneeling is easy. The rest of it sort of up in the air. So there's some issue there, but. Uh, and the controversy here, and another uh, president controversy, is he said that players who don't kneel or don't show respect uh, shouldn't be in this country, which I think is fascinating. So where are you to deport someone who's born in Ohio and plays with the NFL? Uh, now, uh, just a word or two uh, about whether or not uh, they should kneel or be allowed to kneel. I say absolutely not. A football game is not a place for a political statement. It isn't. You're there to play. That you know, do it all outside. You have plenty of time to do it outside. You can call, call press conferences. You're an NFL player. Believe me, people are going to know what you say. If you want to make a point, 
There's no problem with you making a point. We just don't want you to do it on the field when the national anthem is playing. And I think it's totally legitimate. What happens if they do kneel? The team gets fined, not the player. So it runs the gamut from Texas, where if a player kneels, uh, you're in a lot of trouble. Christopher Johnson, who owns the New York Jets, the CEO, who said they can kneel all they want. I have, uh, I don't, I'm fine with that. Well, so what happens? The team gets fined. Don't know how much. And here's the big picture for the NFL. Let's just talk, forget about the First Amendment issue, because I don't think there's a First Amendment argument. I really don't. I don't think ball players being paid by the NFL on or their, t- uh, or their team uh, standing inside the field, I don't think that they have a First Amendment right. Uh, that's the way I would view what the courts would say. Now, let's talk about practical approach. Uh, NFL viewership is down 10%. How much of it has to do with this kneeling business, I don't know. But here, I think, is what's going to happen. Is there already is a reaction to this. There's a huge backlash. People are truly offended by this. And so I think you're going to see those players, especially after this policy decision was made, players who kneel are, number one, going to get booed. Number two, I think the games are going to be boycotted. And I think there's going to be a lot of hatred for the own, not only the players, but the owners who allow this to happen. And this is a great compromise. Just, you don't have to come out. You don't. You don't have to show respect if you don't want. Just stay in the locker room. And what do the Players Association do? You didn't talk to us first. We should have been on consultations with that. Really? When did, when did that happen? Where we make a policy as to what players can or cannot do in our stadium and make and making political statements. And I find it fascinating that you have players that make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year and uh, they kneel in protest the way minorities are being treated. And I would I would love to know and I don't know if I'm we're ever going to how involved are these players in the community who just kneel. That's it. They're done. First Amendment. They're going to kneel and tell the world how, how what they think of the way America is treating minorities. First of all, if you weren't in the NFL, do you think anybody cares? I mean, really. All you're going to do is piss off a, a whole bunch of people. And you think you are going to impress? I, maybe you are going to impress people who believe the same way. Well, good for you. Good for you. This is someone who's willing to stand up. Well, actually, someone willing to kneel. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Are you standing up by kneeling? Hmm. Hmm. Let me muse about that. It's very deep when you think about it, don't you think? Hmm. All right. Uh, coming up, are immigrants underserved by the public defender's office And this is a fun one, because immigrants are getting nailed. Now, are they underserved? Well, we'll talk about that when we come back. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday morning. Uh, Huge news that broke this morning. Uh, The president uh, has called off the meeting between uh, him and Kim Jong-un, June 12th. 
it's not happening. And uh, a letter that we have on our website. It, oh, well, we retweet. It's a, on a tweet. We retweeted the letter that at Bill Handel Show. If you guys want to see the full tweet, it's from the Associated Press. It's the full letter that Trump sent. Fair enough. All right. So uh, now, uh, here's a story I want to share with you. An immigration story, but something you haven't thought of, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting to say the least. And a story out of the L.A. Times uh, about uh, a man who uh, was uh, pled guilty to a joyriding charge in 2013 that triggered a deportation order. Uh, it was uh, a mandatory deportation, and he received a 365-day-in-jail uh, sentence. However, if he could have gotten a 360 four-day sentence, it would not be considered an aggravated felony and would not require a mandatory deportation. The problem is that he was represented by a defense attorney. I'm talking about a public defense attorney, right, out of the public defender's office. And uh, first of all, public defenders are, people complain like crazy that they don't get much defense out of a public defender's office. That's probably true. And uh, I think the big, not because they're horrible uh, lawyers, because there's some very good lawyers in the PD's office, but simply because of the caseload that the PDs have. In uh, L.A. County, for example, the average uh, public defender has 150 cases at any given time. How much help do you think a public defender can give? So it's inevitable they're going to go just plead out. Plead, plead, plead. I mean, they rarely go to trial. They just don't have the time. To go to trial is a huge deal in terms of preparation, in terms of interviewing witnesses. We're talking about one trial. So they inevitably plead out, and that's exactly what happened with uh, this guy. And he pled out. He got his 365-day sentence, and the public defender not only did not only considered his immigration status that one day's difference would have uh, put him over the edge and not have mandatory deportation mandatory deportation order the public defender never brought it up didn't even think about it because that's not the way he thinks public defenders do not think in terms of immigration they're not immigration attorneys Immigration attorneys, uh, first of all, no one has a right to an immigration attorney or no one has a right to a publicly paid immigration attorney like we all do when it comes to criminal matters. There we have a right to an attorney that will be paid for by the state. When it comes to immigration, uh-uh, you don't. So the ACLU wrote this report, a 61-page report, appealing to the L.A. County Board of Supervisors to fund 15 more attorneys in the office's immigration unit. And that are lawyers who actually deal with and understand immigration cases in the state. Of the 700 or so lawyers uh, in the office, two are designated immigration law experts. They understand what's going on. Nobody else does. And according to the ACLU, whenever you have a defendant who is involved in a criminal trial or a criminal allegation that could be a felony, that could, in fact, be negotiated down, 
uh, and could be considered uh, go from a violent to a nonviolent felony, for example, or nonviolent violent charge. That should be and has to be considered by the lawyer defending this defendant. And so the ACLU says that part of their defense, it's vital that their court-appointed lawyers in criminal cases, in fact, have knowledge of and use their immigration status in deciding how the defense is going to work. And so the ACLU reports, that this report says that the office, public defender's office, should require attorneys to receive foundational training about the intersection of criminal and immigration law. Because when it comes to these defendants, and we're talking about people who've been naturalized, we're talking about people, and we're not talking about illegal aliens here. We're talking about people who, in fact, are here legally, but for certain crimes, the uh, their naturalization is yanked. For certain crimes, their uh, certainly their visas are yanked. And so the defense attorneys have to understand this. Now, what California law does require is judge, judges to offer a warning to defendants before accepting a guilty or no or no contest plea in a criminal case. And the judge says if you're not a US citizen, a conviction could lead to deportation, exclusion from the US or denial of naturalization. And some judges pay really close attention to that and some judges eh just a a, a quick story. Uh, in terms of uh, what judges do and don't do. Uh, Early days in my practice, uh, I happened to have uh, been referred uh, some kid, and I remember he was Iranian, I think he was, who was here, uh, and he had a visa. He was here legally, and he was waiting, a green card, and uh, he was picked up for peeing against the wall out of a bar. He was drunk, and it was a sex offense. And as I get to court, and I'm going to plead not guilty, and uh, then I realized, didn't even realize how serious it was. We're talking about a, a, a lifetime registration as a sex offender. At that time, it was crazy. And what ended up happening was I bailed out. I told the judge, I'm finished. I, I'm off this case. He's got to find another attorney or he has to find a, a PD. And, I, and the judge got really angry with me saying, you're on this case. I said, your honor, no, no, I don't have the skill level to deal with this. And this kid is looking at a lifetime of this. This isn't just some easy misdemeanor or a felony if you want to charge it. And the judge, uh, he, he threatened to hold me in contempt. It doesn't matter. I walked out. I, ju- I just was done. And, and the judge just let me go. And the point is, is I didn't know enough about it to give anybody reasonable representation. Public defenders don't know enough about immigration law to deal with with a, their defense because it, it serves intersection. Criminal, criminal law in these cases flow right into immigration law. And so the ACLU says you've got to have people, have people that are trained, trained in this stuff. All right, coming up, Amazon is selling facial recognition to cops. Yes, your face. Your, it's a mug shot for the rest of your life, effectively. KFI AM 640. Jennifer. 
a Thursday morning, May 24th. And uh, the big story that broke this morning is the White House has said that uh, the summit, that meeting between Kim Jong-un and the president's schedule for June 12th is off. Done. Finished. No. It's not going to happen. How do you say no in uh, Korean? I think it's no. No. Yeah. I See, I translate. I'm fluent. Exactly. And uh, the reason that it's been canceled pursuant to a letter that's now on our all of our social media uh, at Bill Handel Show is that uh, the Kim Jong-un uh, has uh, exhibited open hostility towards the United States and statements, hostile statements that he has made. Okay, let's uh, move over to facial recognition. In terms of uh, what the Internet can do and what technology can do, It's every day we're getting news of some new technology or expanding existing technology. And one of the big ones is facial recognition. And uh, a lot of civil libertarians are saying, wait a minute. Now we're talking about whatever privacy we had is being whittled away. And especially when you talk about facial recognition, think about this. If there are video cameras everywhere, which is going to happen. For example, you go to London, the entire inner city of London. I mean, there is not a place you can walk the street without being videoed. There isn't one corner, there isn't an inch in the public spa, uh, public space in London. If they use facial recognition software, which they do, anybody who wants to be recognized or where the authorities want to recognize is out there. There is, for example... Uh, an arrest warrant out there, if they're looking for bad guys, if there is a tip about a potential terrorist, they're videoing every single person that's walking the streets of London, everybody. And then the artificial intelligence kicks in because they already have a photo maybe, or they have, that's probably uh, what it is. They have information and they have a picture, a picture uh, that existed maybe on a mugshot, a picture that uh, they found earlier Uh, of someone who is suspected of a crime. And so there's a facial recognition. If your picture is out there, and I think it goes this far, if you have a picture on Facebook or YouTube, artificial intelligence can now connect it if they have you on facial recognition, if they have you on a video in a park, for example. It is crazy stuff. Well, uh, now we have... Uh, authorities, we have law enforcement authorities, uh, particularly in Oregon and Orlando, and this is this is sort of new stuff. Amazon has basically been giving them away. These are recognition tools to law enforcement agencies in uh, both uh, Oregon and Orlando. It's called recognition, R-E-K-O-recognition, uh, recognition, and they're also uh, offering consulting services, uh, the ACLU. Of course, pick this up through a Freedom of Information uh, Act request. And a coalition of civil rights groups called on Amazon, stop this. Amazon is actually selling the program. You know how much Amazon charges? 12 to 15 bucks a month for a law enforcement agency to have access to get recognition. As in, let's say the Los Angeles Police Department. 10,000 officers on the street. 12 bucks a month. And you, too, can have a recognition software installed. But wait a minute. There's more. You can get 
two of them, and all you pay is handling, tax and handling for the second one because it's 12 bucks. I mean, and this is a lot, this is really scary to a lot of civil libertarians. And uh, what they do, of course, is the more sophisticated that uh, the recognition software is, it's the more in an invasion of privacy. And it and it and the more that it deals with, the smarter it gets. Oh, so here's what the privacy concerns are. Facial recognition allows strangers to identify people who don't want to be identified. Shoppers in stores, for example. Individuals in a crowd, if you have access to this software, you can, for example, get into a Target store. And, of course, every time you walk into a store of any kind, of course you are videoed, because that's the way video works today, security video. And if Target, for example, has facial recognition software, they have you. Because they can plug in to this system and know who's in the, know who's in the store. I mean, just arbitrarily. Uh, it's, it's pretty scary. Uh, people who appear in photos get posted on social media. So in Washington County, Oregon, Sheriff's Office has built a database, 300,000 mugshots of suspected criminals over the years. Recognition uh, scans against footage of potential suspects in real time. Real time. So the cops know where you are walking, what street you're on, what corner you're on. That's scary to a lot of people. For me, uh, you know what? I don't do anything wrong. And I'd rather have the bad guys uh, to be picked up and the cops know where they are. But maybe this gone a little bit too far. And it's hard to get me to admit that it's gone a little bit too far. Hmm. Well, get ready for... Well, the whole concept of privacy won't exist anymore. Just don't use the word privacy in, in any definition under any circumstances. All right, coming up, success from scratch, electric rideshare. What is that all about? This guy started it when he was 19, and you go, gee, I wish I had thought of that. There's a lot of that going on here. KFI AM 640. KFI, Handel here. It is a uh, Thursday morning. A huge news broke this morning. Uh, president announces that the Korean North Korean summit is off. And it's because of hostile statements made by Kim Jong-un recently. And we've just been told that the president will be giving remarks uh, about the cancellation soon. Uh, we don't know what soon means. Uh, it could be in an hour. It could be in three hours. As we get closer, we'll get a time. Uh, this is one of those where it, it, you would think that they would have it all planned out, knowing the letter was going to go out, planning, saying, and at 10 o'clock, a statement will be given by the president, and it seems to be, uh, I think, a lot more spontaneous than that. All right. It's Success from Scratch, brought to you by Lifteek. Look years younger without faceless surgery. Go to lifteek.com. One of the things or one of the successes that I have always wondered about is sort of those, why didn't I think of uh, that business? For example, 
there's the invention of the airplane, right? There is the invention of the car. All right, those are real businesses. How about the guy who came up with car rentals at the airport? Isn't it one of those, gee, I, I, how do you get a billion-dollar business just by, okay, I'm going to buy cars, I'm going to rent them. I mean, does that seem really simplistic? Well, look at Hertz, look at Avis, look at Enterprise. Much the same thing is happening uh, in this case, and that's a success from scratch with a company called Test Loop. All right, so Uber and Lyft have been around for years. Again, I wish I had thought of that when it comes to Uber and Lyft. No new technology, no great invention here. It's simply, okay, let's just bring uh, existing concepts and create software where you can connect people. And now what? what is Uber worth, $40 billion or something today? $62 billion. That's even better. All right, so Uber and Lyft have exploded. But what if you want really cool cars? What if you want... Like, if you have a higher-end taste, what if you want to travel electrically? Well, that's about, that's too, uh, that is Test Loop. 19-year-old Hayden Sonad founded this company, and it's real simple. It lets you drive around in a Tesla. Now, I don't know if there are any Teslas in the world of Uber and Lyft, but there sure is with him. He was 16 years old when the idea came to him a couple, three years ago. He had just gotten a driver's license and trying to figure out uh, how to get a car to go with his license. His dad said, well, take a summer gig. Now, Hayden had been a car lover his whole life. Then he did some job hunting and then took the concept of uh, Tesla. And that is using it to leverage uh, Tesla's happiness guarantee. You lease a car And if you're not satisfied after three months, you return the car. So he spends $7,500 to get the first Tesla and started using using it to shuttle people between L.A. and Las Vegas. Round trip. And he figured out if he made one round trip a week, he'd be able to cover insurance and the lease cost of the car. And with the new autopilot feature that Tesla offered... He knew that long-distance driving would be safer, and he's able to sell a safer drive. So, how much does it cost? Well, ride-sharing service is available for $29 to $79 a ride, based on the time, day. Test Loop says it shuttles between locations in Greater Los Angeles and San Diego four times a day, between L.A. and Palm Springs six times a day. It's basically an airline on the ground. The company stopped uh, the Las Vegas L.A. shuttle in 2016. Why? Because they couldn't compete with the low-cost flights. Also, they have a car rental service where you're your own driver. And you book your ride through the Book Now function on the Test Loop website, or you call a concierge line they have. And when you talk about an Uber, do you get free wireless internet, snacks, drinks, Phone, device charging, neck pillows, noise-canceling headphones. He offers all of that. And a Tesla. Now, how about the drivers? Right? Big problem with Uber drivers. Right? The rapes and the argument they're not well, they're not well vetted. 
Well, all test loop trips are driven by certified and trained pilots. Calls them a pilot. And to become a pilot, I mean, do we want to continue on with this? Yeah, you know what? Let's continue on uh, with this because there's more to this test loop. So we'll be back. I'll finish this segment up and then your chance to win $1,000 and we'll return. I just want to give you a quick programming note here, Handel. So we have just learned that President Trump has a signing event at 830 this morning. The assumption is that he might smush together whatever the signing event is with his announcement on North Korea. Because just, what, seven, eight minutes ago, he finally tweeted, sadly, I've had to cancel the summit uh, in Singapore with North Korea, a picture of the letter. So this all coming together, we're sort of, you know, reading the tea leaves here, but we're guessing 830. All right. So what we'll do, of course, is cut to uh, the signing ceremony, if you will. I love it when he signs and then shows the document. No. It's like he's judging a swim contest. 10, 9.8, yeah, and then shows it to everybody all the way around. And so, uh, of course, we'll uh, go to uh, that ceremony, uh, especially, well, uh, President Trump being President Trump, of course he's going to say something uh, because he does a lot of spontaneous speaking at those events. So we'll cut to him. So let's go ahead and take a break. Your chance to win $1,000. I'll finish some success from scratch. Oh. If you ask me how I'm doing, I would say I'm doing just fine. I would lie and say that you're not on. KFI Handle here. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. The winner is notified with a phone call. If you don't answer it, they move on to somebody else. James in Fallbrook, he answered the call and won $1,000. Your next chance to win coming up next hour. All right. Uh, Big story that we're covering, of course, is uh, President Trump uh, has canceled the summit with Kim Jong-un. There are going to be some statements that the president is going to make, not necessarily about this. He's scheduled for a signing ceremony And that's uh, at 8.30, and we're assuming he's going to say something about this. Kind of hard to believe he won't. So we're going to start covering it uh, when he starts speaking, and we'll see how far we go. All right, let's finish up uh, this Success from Scratch uh, segment. And it's uh, all about a company that this young man who uh, created uh, called Tesloop. He's now 19. Hayden Sonad had the idea when he was 16 and that is a rideshare, an Uber type of program with Teslas. He leased a Tesla, and he is now driving people on various routes. It's a combination between a schedule route and just a straight Uber route uh, that people they can call up and just drive around. But these are, he goes, for example, Palm Springs six times a day. And all you do is pay your monies, and it's not a huge amount of money. And you get to go in a Tesla, and it's very comfortable. Although I, I find Teslas not all that comfortable, actually. Yeah, I don't think they're that comfortable. But the trips include free wireless, internet, snacks, drinks, phone, device charging, neck pillows, headphones. I mean, it's pretty good. So here is what he also added to this, is the trips are driven by certified and trained pilots. How do you get to be a pilot? Well, bunch of face-to-face interviews, including an interview with uh, the CEO of Tesloop, Hayden's dad. Uh, 
driver's uh, background records check, rec- uh, their driver's record subject to uh, drug and alcohol testing, uh, and before a pilot can test loop on their own, uh, has to pass a series of online and in-person quizzes, and then eight to ten hours of co-piloted training with a season five-star pilot. So they're pretty serious about this stuff, for sure. Now, asking him, how much money are you making? He said it's not necessarily profitable yet, which means it's not profitable yet. Although uh, he is saying it's because of efforts to expand, which may very well be the case. And to give you an idea of this 19-year-old kid who came up with the idea at 16 when he got his driver's license, he wanted to figure out how to make money to buy a car. His workforce has grown from 60 to 103 in the last few months, including 65 drivers, 25 customer service representatives, six engineers, although I don't know why you need an engineer, and a a leadership team. I mean, if you need an engineer to deal with a Tesla, then you're in trouble. And he said that they have received some money from investors but won't, uh, won't share that information. But on a car, on a one car, car uh, on a per car basis, the business is profitable. Why? One month of driving a Tesla, it turns a profit. Some of the cars that Tesla operates bring in about $18,000 a month. The least, is, the least cost is $3,000 a month. And right now, the company has uh, nine Model X cars, two Model 3s, one Model S. Now, my guess is that Tesla is not real happy about the fact that some guy is leasing the car and driving it 18 hours a day. That's probably not what they anticipated for the same money that you and I would uh, lease a Tesla for. He said an owner lets Tesla rent one of their cars. It's like buying an airplane. And when people buy airplanes or boats... Then what happens is in order to pay back some of it to recoup some of the investment, because you're not flying all the time, you're certainly not in a vacation home all the time, you're certainly not on your boat all the time. So there are companies that uh, basically on consignment rent the boat, the airplane for you, and some of your money comes back. And so what ends up happening with this is he, uh, he rents these cars And if the car is booked, uh, there's a flat fee plus a per-mile fee that is paid. And he said that a car rented uh, rented full-time by Tesloop can make $2,000 a month. And we're talking about someone owning the car and getting back $2,000 a month when he's not using it off a three-month lease. So effectively, you're paying $1,000 a month for a lease for a Tesla. It's a $125,000 car. I find them very uncomfortable. I just, they are. They're too low to the ground. Uh, the, I mean, the technology is wonderful. And they're rockets. Uh, my partner, Savile, has one. And you sit in the seat, and he can get it from 0 to 100 miles an hour in .004 of a second. And it's let me tell you, you just are jammed back in the seat when this thing starts. But am I going to lease one? Nah. Plus, I can make money on it, and this is not a bad idea. That's a success from scratch. All right. 
uh, what we are going to do. Do we go to uh, calling your lawyer from jail while we're... Late edition oh, time. Oh, that's right. Late edition. See, we're changing this thing all over the place because we're waiting for the president to speak, and that changed our entire order of segments. Okay, that's right. Well, it's time for late edition, isn't it? Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. And now, here's Bill Handel. Hey, Handel here. And uh, good morning. A lot of breaking news this morning. But first, uh, asking you to uh, please help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared. California, it's a $400 donation. You and a guest enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown LA to really make it terrific. I'm going to I'll be posing for pictures in my underwear just for you. That's absolutely not true. You have to be 21 years or older to attend. 100% of the proceeds uh, benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Uh, limited tickets for details log on to kfiam640.com and the word is mixer. All right. Oh so, uh, a couple of stories have been breaking before we get to handle on the news late edition. Uh, number one, of course, uh, the summit has been canceled by uh, President Trump. That's off the table. And we've just heard it just came in. And Jennifer, what's the news? CNN is reporting eight women have accused Morgan Freeman of inappropriate behavior or harassment. One story a woman said she was a production assistant. He said, she says, Morgan Freeman kept trying to lift up my skirt, asking if I was wearing underwear. Another woman who accused him is a senior member of a production staff well, a of sec. a movie. I mean, first one, that's how I met Marjorie. Handle. What? Anywho. Okay, I'm sorry. 16 people spoke to CNN, eight of whom said they were victims of harassment, and the others called inappropriate behavior, but I guess... All of them said that there was some sort of pattern. So maybe it's kind of sounds like 16 people said we either saw something yeah. or. See, and they're, and they're in the issue. When, I, when we talk about the pendulum swinging, which it will swing because it's going to be uh, at the end of the week now, it's simply going to be how many this week and give me the names. We won't have to even go into the details because we're going to do our weekly report on this. And that is it's going to break down between. I don't know what the number is, three, four, five. It becomes a pattern where it is uh, the credibility is 100% versus one, uh, where no one else says anything. So uh, a la Tom Brokaw. Remember his situation? Uh, the same thing with um, uh, Tony Cardenas, right? One accusation that he denies completely, no other accusations at all. So that's the way it's going to break down. But if you have 16 people saying that, insert name of personality here, movie star, major corporate, uh, well, I don't know how far down the list you would have to go. Would it have to be a CEO? Would it have to be someone who's well-known? And I don't know how far down that list before it starts making news. All right, let's do it. Lead story. Oh, let's call the whole thing off. And the president is uh, has canceled the nuclear summit with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. It came out this morning. Uh, there is a letter that he wrote, which for the most part is fairly gracious. 
except maybe one line that said uh, you're talking about nuclear capabilities. We have massive nuclear capabilities, sort of a. And yutz. we hope to God we don't have to yeah, use them. Sort of a yutz back. In. But other than that, it was uh, very gracious. Here's saying, a little bit. I've got Secretary of State Mike Pompeo reading it. The world and North Korea in particular has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is a truly sad moment in history. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America. Just in case no one knows who he is. Just in case Kim Jong-un writes. forgot. Yeah, he goes, who? <laughs> Question mark? Anyway, so as soon as that comes up, we're waiting. Uh, we're watching this signing ceremony about to start. We expect the president to make some remarks then. And as soon as that happens, we'll bring him to you. In the meantime... There were a number of journalists who got to watch as North Korea apparently blew up some tunnels at one of its nuclear test sites. Now they let the journalists in, but they didn't let, like, uh, you know, leaders from different countries come in or any specialists come in and say, yes, for sure, we know that that's what was destroyed. But the, yeah. they did, these um, reporters did say they got to sort of peek inside the tunnels, and they said from what they saw, it looked like they were tunnels rigged with explosives. All right, and we don't know a, a lot about it, except that I'll bet you he did it. And then the argument is, were they useless anyway? Because all the tests have now used up its capability. We don't know. Yeah, and also, which journalists? I would love to know there which There were uh, CNN's Will Ripley, who you That's see on impressive. there a lot. How about the guy from uh, the Nome, Alaska Curi- uh, Courier? I had not heard of him. It's a weekly. But I'm sure equally respected. It's a single page. It's on an 8 by 10 Wow. Whatever works. It's printed on a laser printer. And they keep the top half the same every time. Right. Moose attacks <laughs> yes. man, and yeah. then the bottom half is the newest news. Yeah. A woman has pet clam down the street. Okay, we are uh, going to come back. We'll take a break, come back. And as soon as the president uh, starts speaking, and uh, we're getting a view of uh, the White House, the room in the White House now. I don't even know what room. Is that the East Room? I have no idea. And he will, as soon as he starts speaking, we'll interrupt everything and go right to the president. All right. It is a uh, Thursday morning. All right, we're awaiting uh, comments from uh, the president. There's a signing event. Uh, however, uh, we expect him to say a word or two or three uh, about his decision this morning. And he, that was released, uh, the statement was released that he has canceled the Singapore, uh, Singapore summit between him and uh, Kim Jong-un of North Korea. So as soon as he goes up to the podium... We will cut directly to the president, and hopefully he'll talk about that. Do we even know what he's signing, incidentally? No, that's what I was just Does looking at. Does anybody up. have that's any idea? That. No. So it's going to be about this. At least Probably. we hope it starts I see, about this. Uh, ben Carson in the background. Steve Mnuchin's in the background. Is Dennis- that Christian Nelson in the yellow? Uh, no. I don't know who that is, but no, it's not her. All right. Christian's taller. That's <laughs> all. Okay, fair enough. All right, so we'll do that in a moment. So let's go back to handle on the news, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Now Rudy Giuliani says Trump should sit down with Mueller for an interview. All right, Tuesday. Why is he saying that? Because it's Thursday. That's why he's saying that. 
Well, they asked him why. He was talking to the Washington Post, and they said why the abrupt change. Because I think just Tuesday he said, no, we, we shouldn't do it. Uh, if, you, if you make me decide right now, the answer is no. That was on Tuesday. So they said, well, why have you changed your mind? He said, well, you know, it gets it over with, and it makes my client happy. I think that's the key. I think that he could not persuade Trump, Trump not to speak to not sit down with Mueller because no. Trump, whatever the truth is, whether he truly has nothing to hide or he has a little bit to hide, you know, Trump believes he can get through that interview right. unscathed no right. matter what. And here this is part of his hubris because uh, a guy like Mueller and his staff are well-seasoned, sophisticated, well-trained interrogators. And they are much better at interrogating, at questioning, than Trump is at answering. I don't care how good someone is on that side. Uh, it's I, w- I wouldn't let him do it if I were his lawyer. I'd say, you are crazy. It's, it's, you have everything to lose and very little to gain. But you know from representing people... You say all of that, and if they say, I want to do it, yeah, there's at you some point you have to give in and help them do or it. Or you just bail out and say, I can't go forward and I'm withdrawing from the case, which Giuliani will not do. No. Yesterday, what happened? It was a stormy day in West Hollywood. It's a crazy Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels Day. She gets the key to West Hollywood where the mayor said... It's the epicenter of resistance to Donald Trump, and they called her a heroine a few times. Now, here, please listen to what she said when they gave her the key, and I can't make this up. I'm not really sure what the key opens. I'm hoping it's the wine cellar. What it doesn't open and shouldn't have to worry about is a chastity belt. Oh. Wow. Wow. Hey, you know, is is uh, West Hollywood the only city that has an official resistance website? I think so. And every uh, I, I, West Hollywood, I think at one point the entire city council was gay. I mean, everybody on the council. The first mayor, his first press conference, and if you want to go back and YouTube it, the guy was wearing a pink boa. And I'm I, not I, making I think, that yeah, up. I was going to say, I actually think I remember that. I, and I'm not making yeah. that one up. But I just like, just listen one more time. Listen to the laughter after she says this. Just listen to the awkward ha-has. Oh, go already. I'm not really sure what the key opens. Oh, shoot. Here's the president. Oh, shoot. (laughs) I just meant sorry. (laughs) I meant. I'd like to begin by saying that based on the recent statement of North Korea, I have decided to terminate the planned summit in Singapore on June 12th. Well, many things can happen, and a great opportunity lies ahead, potentially. I believe that this is a tremendous setback for North Korea and, indeed, a setback for the world. I've spoken to General Mattis and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and our military, which is by far the most powerful anywhere in the world and has been greatly enhanced recently, as you all know is ready if necessary. Likewise, I have spoken to South Korea and Japan, and they are not only ready should foolish or reckless acts be taken by North Korea, 
but they are willing to shoulder much of the cost of any financial burden, any of the costs associated by the United States in operations if such an unfortunate situation is forced upon us. Hopefully, positive things will be taking place with respect to the future of North Korea. But if they don't, we are more ready than we have ever been before. North Korea has the opportunity to end decades of poverty and oppression by following the path of denuclearization and joining the community of nations. And I hope that Kim Jong-un will ultimately do what is right, not only for himself, but perhaps, most importantly, what's right for his people, who are suffering greatly and needlessly. All of the Korean people, North and South, deserve to be able to live together in harmony, prosperity, and peace. That bright and beautiful future can only happen when the threat of nuclear weapons is removed. No way it can happen otherwise. If and when Kim Jong-un chooses to engage in constructive dialogue and actions, I am waiting. In the meantime, our very strong sanctions, by far the strongest sanctions ever imposed, and maximum pressure campaign will continue as it has been continuing. But no matter what happens and what we do, we will never, ever compromise the safety and security of the United States of America. I want to make that statement. Feel very, very strongly about it. Our military, as you know, has been greatly enhanced. We'll soon be at a level that it's never been before. Our approval of $700 billion this year and $716 billion next year, largely due to the help of a lot of the people with me today and standing right here, we appreciate. But we had to do that for our military, and we've done it. And hopefully, everything's going to work out well with North Korea. And a lot of things can happen, including the fact that perhaps and would wait, it's possible that the existing summit could take place or a summit at some later date. Nobody should be anxious. We have to get it right. Okay. With that being said, we have something else, which I have to tell you, all of you, Chairman, Mike, and everybody, uh, it was a big deal until this came up. <laughs> I don't know. Where's Mike Crapo? Where are you? Mike, congra congratulations. You did a great job, but it doesn't seem so important now. I don't know. But it is important. It's incredible. And it's incredible that you've done it, and you've done it in a very bipartisan way, which is very nice. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. But a very bipartisan way, Mike, and I want to congratulate you and everyone else. I'm going to read a few names because these people worked hard. This right, is KFI. You know Can I give the legal? KFI yeah, and KOSDHD2, Los Angeles. Yeah, let's uh, bail out of this because it's going to be uh, a uh, whatever signing event he has. And we don't even know at this point. It hasn't been made. Uh, if it hasn't been made public, no one's paying attention to it because, as the president said, uh, it, maybe it was a big deal, but then uh, to President Trump, uh, everything that comes out of the White House is a big deal. And uh, and I, I guess every president says that. You know, anything that comes out of the White House, nothing is uh, nothing's a small deal. Right? Nothing's a marginal deal. It's all a big deal. But what I want to do, do we want to take a break and come back or we go right through? Let's go ahead and just go right through and uh, try to analyze this a little bit. And uh, as we know this morning, uh, the uh, president the White House announced that the summit between the president and Kim Jong-un in Singapore scheduled for June 12th is off the table. It is done. And done because of, and where's the letter, by the way? Can you, uh, uh, yeah, find, find that letter because I want to quote directly from the letter. And it has to do with uh, the, the hostile statements that Kim Jong-un has made. And here it is. And here are uh, the reasons uh, I was very much looking forward to you being to being there with you, sadly, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your most recent statement. I feel it is inappropriate at this time to have this long planned meeting. Uh, this letter that was written to uh, Kim Jong-un from uh, the president, uh, for the most part, is a very gracious letter. There's one point in uh, which it was a little braggadocio and you know, you talk about your nuclear capabilities, I'm quoting now. But ours are so massive and powerful, I pray to God they will never have to be used. All right, that's sort of a backhanded, uh, don't play chicken with us. We'll blow you to bits if you even think about attacking us. And it's sort of we're back to where we were, except uh, for, uh, especially for President Trump. This is an extraordinarily gracious uh, letter in which he says, I'd love to come back. Uh, let's leave this open. I felt a wonderful dialogue was building up between you and me, and ultimately it is only that dialogue that matters. Now, that gets interesting because the president could have ignored the statements that Kim Jong-un made and concentrated only on his actions. It could have happened much like the president could have ordered that the joint exercise, the military exercise with Japan and uh, South Korea could have been canceled or at least postponed till after the June 12th meeting. When you talk about actions, it's Kim Jong-un who has made all the actions. And that is releasing the prisoners, blowing up the, which happened uh, this morning, our time, uh, blowing up that uh, missile testing site of which there were international, there were reporters from all over the world. And it happened right there. Now, then the argument is, and it is everything is a little wonky. It gets a little complicated. And that is, okay, uh, we are hearing that he couldn't have used it anyway because it had, uh, it, basically they had uh, done with all of its capabilities and if they tried it again the whole thing would have collapsed i I don't know how do we know that and i don't know it's uh that's what we're hearing and then the other side we're hearing that's not true and maybe he doesn't need it because he has other other testing capabilities but the point is he did he did and it's a gesture whether it's an empty gesture or not it's a gesture we haven't even had a gesture there's been nothing on our side 
And uh, what set off uh, Kim Jong-un with his hostile statements? I think one of them was uh, his reference to the test, uh, to the exercises themselves. North Korea has always viewed these military exercises, which take place annually, as a provocation. Matter of fact, it goes beyond that. Uh, they've called it a, a statement of war, a declaration of war. Everything's a declaration of war. president wakes up in the morning and has orange juice. That's a declaration of war to uh, North Koreans. It's really crazy. Uh, so it's uh, the shame of it is it looks like we're going back to where we were. Uh, where back and forth you'll see statements being made. I can't wait to hear what Kim Jong-un, how he responds to this. Uh, at this point, and this letter is, uh, we have it on all of uh, our social media, at Bill Handel Show, and you really do want to get uh, a feeling of uh, this letter because I'm looking at it. It's very un-Trump-like, this letter. Uh, this is... Uh, a letter that uh, a diplomat would write. This, it, go it, ahead. It, to me, uh, it sounds like a guy in high school who was dating a girl, and the girl wasn't was wasn't into it anymore. And so the guy says to the girl, "Listen, I'm breaking up with you because you're you don't seem to really love me enough. But if you ever change your mind and you want to love me enough again, let me know." Yeah, it, and you're you're right. The last paragraph uh, points to exactly that charge, because it was the president who canceled the summit, and in his letter to Kim Jong Un, and it's fascinating how uh, he starts his letter. But in his letter, he says, "If you change your mind, having to do with this most important summit, which is kind of interesting, because it was the president who made the call to cancel the summit." If you change your mind having to do with this most important summit, please do not hesitate to call me or write. Have your friend uh, send yeah. me a note that says, do you still want to have a summit? Yes, I know. no. I know. The world, Mark it and give it back. Uh, the world and North Korea in particular has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is a truly sad moment in history, signed Donald Trump. Uh, Donald J. Trump, president of the United States of America. Now, how it starts, uh, it's uh, White House stationery, which is which I love. It's just the White House, Washington. And that's just so cool. And then there's, uh, it's, it's a presidential seal, but without any language in there. Or is that the seal of the United States? I think the seal of the United States, the presidential seal is the same, except one says President of the United States of America. Maybe I'm trying to see them I'm in trying my to, mind. Yeah, I'm trying to remember to whether it's the same seal or not. Uh, you have the eagle with uh, the talons, and uh, in one talon, I think is and I'm just I'm tangenting here. We're going off on a tangent, so that's not particularly important. Yeah, there's a seal at the top of yeah, it. Yeah, there's a seal at the top of it, and there it is. An insignia seal, not a art seal. That's correct. All right, so here's how the letter starts, which I find fascinating. His Excellency. Kim Jong-un, chairman of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, Pyongyang. Dear Mr. Chairman, uh, just it's fascinating as opposed to uh, President Kim Jong-un. And maybe uh, Kim Jong-un isn't the president. Maybe that particular position doesn't exist in North Korea. Can you look that up, Alex? It, uh, it, because, for example, Chairman Mao 
was not the president of China. I don't think they had a president. Now they do. Yeah. So uh, it's where are you going to go with this? And I think now the foot, uh, the ball is on the other foot, right? Or is that the uh, the, the tip <laughs> of the barrel? The bottom yeah. of the iceberg? Uh, something like that. Yeah, something close. Wait, whose foot is it on now? Uh, is it back on Kim Jong Un's foot? It is on because back, of this is, letter. Yes. What Trump? What Trump did is he canceled it, and then he's trying to put all the responsibility not only for why it had to be canceled, but whether or not it will happen again on to Kim Jong Un. But I think to Kim Jong Un's not credit, but I think his opportunity is for him to go forward and uh, stop with the hostile statements completely. And go back to what he said prior to what is now considered a hostile statement. Because remember, they went screaming at each other from the day that uh, President Trump was elected, even before that, during the campaign. And it was uh, Rocket Man and Little uh, Kim and just... Yeah, Dotard. Uh, yeah, the Dotard statement that Kim called the president. Uh, Mad Dog somewhere in there. I mean, they were going Rocket Man. I mean, they were going back and forth on such a personal note that you would think that these were uh, kids in school that were bullying each other. It was, you know, your mom's so ugly that one of those. (laughs) It is about at that. Well, it was at at that level. Then they both seemed like real adults. And now, I mean, Trump has not devolved to that level yet. No, not Uh, yet. But Not also, yet. you know what? How do, would you trust Kim Jong if he said, all right, all right, we'll cool it. We'll cool it with the the bad talk. Yep. Would you But why would you trust him? I would trust him to sit down at the table because one of the things that President Trump said, and boy, do I agree with him. All the talk of not meeting with Kim Jong Un was based on we don't want to legitimize his regime and the very fact that a U.S. sitting president would meet with him is a huge win for Kim. And President Trump sort of disregarded that and didn't necessarily disagree. He just said, it is far better to sit down than not. And how do you argue with that? Now, as a result of that, do you trust Kim Jong-un? Do you think that he's going to play the same game that was played by his dad during the Clinton years where the United States gave tremendous amount of aid, not military aid, but certainly aid in terms of wheat and uh, lifted sanctions because they were because they agreed to blow up uh, this nuclear reactor. And then later we find out that it was basically paper mache. That- See, we can't even get to that point where we have to wonder as he's sitting at the table if he's playing us because they can't even get to the table this time. Right. And we'll see what happens with Kim. And what if, well, here's, uh, what Kim can't say, okay, I will not say anything negative more about you. I mean, I don't know where the response is. Well, he's not is. the only one saying the things. Right. I mean, the thing about Mike Pence being a political dummy, For bringing up Libya, that was some aid. That wasn't Kim Jong-un who said those words. If Kim Jong-un wants to show some sincerity about, yes, the rhetoric is wrong, here's what he needs to do. He'll never do it. Get that aid. 
take him out in public and kill shoot him. him in the head. Yeah. Well, and I, say to Donald Trump, I never wanted that guy to say anything mean. He's dead now. Otherwise, you can't believe. And we and we don't know. Incidentally, uh, if, are these are any of these Kim Jong Un's words? My guess is that he knows every word that's coming out. I would think so. You that in North so. Korea, you don't say something right. publicly unless you know it's cool. So the bottom line here is, I don't quite know how Kim responds, other than saying, "I'm so sad that you have canceled this. Can we make another date?" Soon thereafter. Can't he somewhat legitimately say, hey, look, we, yeah, we said some things, but we're reacting to things that you're saying. You're bringing up the specter but then, then we're going of back Libya. Up, but, but who, so then it's yeah, like, who said the first it's, thing exactly. it's a tit for tat. that wasn't cool? Maybe it was Bolton. I don't know. Oh, that's the other issue, too. Uh, Bolton is such a hawk. And that whole issue about the Libyan model and uh, Donald Trump saying we'll decimate as we decimated Libya. Be careful. And this is paraphrasing. All right. Uh, oh, oh, never mind. All right. We're going to take a break. And, I'll ask uh, you during the break. Uh, yeah. And we're going to come back and uh, a little bit about the IRS, California, tax deduction limits. What's the bottom line? You're screwed. That's it. Thank you. That's the, by the way, that was the entire segment. You're screwed. Thank you very much. Come okay. back after the break. Hear him say it again. That's right. And your chance to win $1,000. All right. It's not about the money, money, money. We don't need your money, money, money. We just want to make the world dance. Forget about the price tag. Ain't about the cha-ching, cha-ching. Ain't about the... Candle yeah. here on a Thursday, May 24th. First, we start with your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. They call the winner and you have to answer or you can't win. Karen in La Habra answered and won $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour. All right. Uh, some of the big news we're covering. Huge news. The president this morning announced that the uh, summit is off. Uh, Morgan Freeman has been accused of inappropriate uh, sexual behavior. 16 women coming forward to make the accusation. That's a lot of women at one time to do that. Very interesting. And uh, tomorrow, incidentally, no, it's today. Uh, Gary and Shannon, news and brews uh, to the Bre- Bravery Brewing in Lancaster, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., their regular show, but they're doing it at the uh, Brewing Center, the Bravery Brewing and it's on 8th Street in Lancaster, California. You probably knew it was California, didn't you? All right. Uh, I love this. And I, this is almost impossible to believe that it happened in California and also New York. As you know, the uh, IRS has changed its rules. What happened with uh, the president and uh, Congress, they passed that Tax Reform Act, right? Uh, which reduced taxes for corporation and high-income uh, individuals. But one of the things that the tax bill does is lower the tax deduction, uh, locally read property taxes, to $10,000. And in California, uh, it's basically if you have a million-dollar home, uh, no, it's that true? Yeah, you're paying $10,000, 1%. Actually, one and a quarter percent. So if you have an $800,000 home, you're probably paying close to $10,000. 
So how many people have homes that are more than a million dollars? A whole lot of people. This is Southern California. This is where the average home is $550,000 to begin with. I mean, starter homes are $500,000 here. So if you have a a pretty high-end house, well, actually, a million-dollar home in some areas is not even a high-end house. That's a a middle-of-the-road house. I know it's hard to believe, uh, but that's the case. I just did a story this morning that said the median home price in Orange County, guess, Median home price in Orange County today. Yeah, 580, 575? 715. See, that's unbelievable. So how close is that to a million dollars? And how close is that to all of a sudden you've hit the limit of the uh, property tax deduction where it used to be unlimited? So that's what the president did. And uh, what happened? Well, people in California and New York are the ones that got nailed because there aren't that many homes in uh, in Peoria, Illinois that cost a million dollars. So... And the base, President Trump's base, lives in the South, lives in the industrial states where home prices just aren't that high like they are here. So California, are you ready for this, has come back and said, okay, we have to do an end around on these taxes. So what we are going to do is set up a charity where you are helping to pay for the state programs, and strangely enough, the charity, your donation to the charity is just about the same amount of money, your charitable deduction, as you would pay if the property tax deduction didn't exist or was unlimited the way it used to be. So uh, it's, let me go through this because it's a little bit wonky. You have the tax bill. You can't go above $10,000. That's done. And if your house is worth a million five, all of a sudden you're losing $600,000 worth of deductions. That's a lot of money, right? You can't remember the $10,000 is uh, the limit. So the state of California says, fine, we're going we're gonna to do the end around. Hey, okay? whatever the difference is, all you do is donate it to the state. It's 5013C that then funds our programs. And then you can deduct all of it. And it's just about the same money. Problem is with that is the federal government is saying, wait a minute. This really isn't a taxable, this is not a tax-deductible deduction because uh, tax deductions based on charity, you can't say how much it's going to be. It can be whatever you want. It's like gratuities, for example. Gratuities are whatever you want. And whatever the state says, well, they're not really gratuities. They are if you decide how much it is. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is now the Trump administration is trying to figure out if that happens, how do we stop that happening? Because we only want a taxpayer to be able to deduct $10,000 in property tax. Again, screwing California and screwing New York. That, and, and this is what uh, California and New York is saying, by the way, is uh, that it is only to screw us. It is a political decision. It is not about getting extra money into the federal government. The argument on the other side is, do you remember what the Trump administration said? There, uh, the taxes are going to lower, but we're still going to do okay. At worst, it's going to be never, uh, revenue neutral. Well, one of the ways of offsetting billions of dollars is simply, you don't let Californians or New Yorkers deduct. 
on property taxes. Okay, which way is it going to go? I'll tell you which way it's going to go. I hope that my charitable donation works. That's why. Jeez. And if you folks have a house that's, and it's not unusual. If, if you bought a house five years, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, look at how much has increased. And I know a million-dollar house, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you, you go to Nebraska and you, or Kansas, you talk about a million-dollar house, you're rich beyond rich as far as they're concerned. What was that figure again? I want you to repeat it. Uh, Orange County. The average price of a house is $715,000. Crazy, isn't it? Okay, uh, coming up, Cool Space News with Rod Pyle right here on KFI. Jennifer Jones Lee. Lots of news. 10, 9. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Three. Not because they are easy, two, but because they are hard. KFI presents liftoff. We have a liftoff. Cool Space News with Rod Pyle. All right. Good morning, everybody. Handle here. Before we get to Rod, a couple of things. First of all, please donate to help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California. It's a $400 donation. You and a guest can enjoy cocktails, excuse me, and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A. You have to be 20 year, 21 years old or older. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California. Uh, limited tickets for details. Log on to KFIAM640.com. And the search is Mixer. And we won't be doing uh, this announcement uh, for another eight minutes. Okay. Now, it's uh, cool space news. With uh, Rod Pyle. Oh, Rod, before we do that, uh, just the big story is recovering. Uh, the president uh, has announced we're not going. He's not going to North Korea, which is, are you ready for this? Is fairly close to China. Matter of fact, North Korea and China share a border. So with China being that close, would you like to give us some China space news? Great segue. What a smooth transition. This is why I get paid the big bucks. Yes, Rod. Good morning. How are you? Yes, sir. Good. So uh, let's, right. let's, let's start talking about China and what's going on, because there are some changes in the Chinese space program. There are. And it's interesting. Their program is particularly interesting because it really started about the same time as ours. But between the Cultural Revolution and a bunch of other political and government hiccups there. It kept getting slowed down, started, slowed down, restarted. So really, as you know, human spaceflight didn't start there until about 2003. And they've been going great guns ever since. Everything's a little smaller than what the U.S. has done, and but following very closely in the footsteps of both the U.S. and Soviet Union, Russia, in terms of their kind of incremental approach. So as fate would have it. We're seeing the emergence of commercial rocketry and commercial launch services in the United States with SpaceX and Blue Origin and United Launch Alliance and so forth, and reusable rockets in the case of Blue Origin and SpaceX. So the Chinese have seen this, and of course, this hasn't gone un unnoted, and they're doing something very similar with a couple of different programs and a government program. So they actually have a private uh, program going on in China. Yeah, there's a couple of them, actually. There's one called One Space, another one called uh, Link Space. And it's not really clear to me or any of the people. I just interviewed a bunch of people 
for this book I'm working on about Space 2.0 about this very subject. And I said, well, how closely are the lines uh, – how, how – Bright are the lines between business and government there. And they said, well, it's very different than here. The investment's different. The amount of government control and engagement is different. So I don't think it's it, – you could say it's just like it is here. But there are two companies developing much smaller rockets in the Falcon 9. So the one we're talking about is called OneSpace, and they have a rocket called the OSX, which should be familiar to many Mac users around the world. And it's 30 feet tall, not reusable and will deliver slow payload, small payloads to orbit, and they're testing that. Now, the Falcon 9 is 230 feet, so you can imagine this is a much, much smaller rocket, and it's not reusable. However, there's another company I mentioned called LinkSpace, which is working on a reusable rocket, and the Chinese government is actually working on one called the Long March 8. Of course they are. They start, yeah, starting in 2020, which has very familiar-looking landy legs and a three- core fuselage that looks a whole lot like the Falcon Heavy, and they're hoping that that'll be reusable. Yeah, and I'm assuming that all the technology was stolen uh, from SpaceX and every other company working on reusable rockets here in the United States. Hey, Well, uh, that's a guess. That's a guess? <laughs> wow, I don't think it's yeah. the truth. Uh, well, right. I don't know. He's yeah. talking like Shannon now. Uh, I am. All right, uh, let's take a, a break, a, an earlier break, okay. and come back, because I want to uh, have you talk about uh, uh, last year's uh, Umawa Mawa. Uh, that's Umawa Mawa. Yeah, it's a former king of Hawaii. I know that. And uh, how, how that connects with space, you can tell us. So we'll be back with that. This is KFI, and there is Jennifer Jones. Come here, boy, boy, can you get it up? Come here, boy, boy, is you big enough? Thursday, boy, a lot to talk about. Uh, big news uh, is the president has canceled uh, the summit on June 12th. Been talking about that all morning, and I'm sure Gary and Shannon are going to be talking about that big time. Uh, and uh, Morgan Freeman, 16 women have come forward. Eight women. Oh, so I doubled it. Okay. Yeah, eight, 16, whatever. Only eight. I stand corrected. All right, back we go to uh, Cool Space News with Rod Pyle, pilebooks.com. Also, uh, his latest podcast, uh, KFIAM640.com, and the keyword is Cool Space News, and it's always good stuff. All right. Uh, as uh, I said, uh, we have uh, something going on, and uh, it's an asteroid. Uh, that, what is happening with this thing? So this is the second interstellar object that, that they think they've defined. And by the way, we're going to be talking about interstellar objects at the space conference today through Sunday at the Sheraton Gateway Hotel out by LAX. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, and so last year we had Oumuamua, which was the space rock that came hurtling through the solar system, whizzed past the sun and left. So that was kind of a shocker to everybody, clearly from outside the solar system, so that was cool. Couldn't really tell what it was. Had this kind of interesting texture. Few people thought, hey, maybe this is an artificial construct, but there's really nothing to lead to that conclusion other than hope. Uh, so this other object, which is colorfully called 2015 BZ509. That's not quite as good as Amuamua. That sounds much no, better. I, I kind of like Amuamua. I yeah. wanted to name this one Handle because it's it's uh, moving the wrong way. But, Excellent. You know, they don't want to do that. Yeah. So this is something that's been identified out around the same distance as Jupiter, but it's got this weirdo orbit that's inclined to Jupiter's orbit. So 
all the planets go around the same plane in the solar system, right? It, it's it's the, basically the equator of the solar system because it formed from a cloud and the cloud flattens out and the planets coalesce in their individual orbits. Well, when you got something inclined by 30 or 40 degrees, something had to cause that. And to make it even weirder, it's moving the opposite direction of all the other planets. It's moving backwards by our point of view. So the conjecture is that it must have been captured from another star system. So by doing all the math on this with this fancy supercomputers and so forth, it looks like it's been doing this for about four and a half billion years, which is close to the age of the solar system. So they think this probably was captured from another star system back in the beginning of our solar system when everything was kind of tightly packed together in this big solar nebula and stars were closer then and it was easier to capture things. So it looks like it was grabbed from somewhere else. That's exciting. So there's probably a bunch of these, but this is the only one that really popped up because it's headed the wrong way. It's kind of driving down one way straight right. in the wrong direction. Got it. So uh, let's finish up with uh, the pod people from Planet X. And uh, it's uh, Pluto is no longer a planet. It's now a planetoid, correct? It's a dwarf planet. It was demoted about 2005 by Mike Brown over at Caltech because, yeah, it's just, it's just a trans-Neptunian object, nothing special, just another planet. Or, excuse me, just another dwarf planet. And, so and are a there are, these. Oh, yeah, are there dwarf planets that are not so dwarfy that they're actually bigger than Pluto in, in the solar system? Well, we don't know, but that's a really good lead-in to the whole point, which is they've been observing, since this was discovered and since these, uh, the Kuiper Belt objects, they're called, they're out beyond the orbit of Pluto, have been discovered. There's a whole big ring of chunks of ice and rock out there. They've been starting to look at these and track these more carefully, and by entering all this in a supercomputer and modeling what they're doing, they've got all these, weird, again, inclined weird orbits that don't make any sense if there's just a bunch of rock out there. So the, the simplest conclusion, which is usually right, the right one, is that there's a great big dark planet out there that we haven't spotted, and we're talking a couple hundred billion miles out. Pluto's only about 4.6 billion miles out. Something out there is causing these things to behave in a weird pattern. It could be something 10 times the size of Earth. Now, that wouldn't be uh, part of our solar system, would it be? Or is that is that beyond that? Or they still can consider that part of our solar system? That's part of our extended solar system. So this Kuiper belt goes way out there. It's it's almost like the asteroid belt, except it's extended way, way, way out beyond so the orbit. Our Pluto. solar system is gravity that uh, is uh, that uh, the sun controls, right? So right. is that's what keeps these planets going. When you go out to Pluto, how much gravity can the sun uh, can the sun make? I don't have a number for you, but it's enough to keep that there, and it's enough to keep that big flattened disk of rock and ice going out billions and billions of miles past. Yeah, that. I find that incredible because it's uh, it just I can see the inner planets, I can even see Jupiter and Saturn being caught up in the gravity pull of the sun. But when you're going out yeah. there that far, I mean, it's a little dot. I mean, it looks it, like a star from out there. And Jupiter and Saturn kind of pull back. You figure these really small worlds, you get out to Pluto, something roughly the size of the moon, and you think, wow, really? That's got enough stick to hang out there? But there's nothing else for about, uh, you know, four light years away, so there's there's not a whole lot else to affect yeah. any of this. All right. Uh, Rod, thank you. It's pilebooks.com. Uh, the, the podcasts, which are great, kfiam640.com. The keyword is cool space news. And uh, you're, uh, is this event you're talking about open to the public? It is. There is an admission fee. I think it's 15 or 20 bucks for a day. But, um, 
yeah, any, anybody can come, and it's and it's geared towards the layman, so it's certainly. Oh, that sounds good. You know what? Uh, Marjorie's out of town, so I actually may go there. So give me your cell number uh, right now, and uh, no one will call you. I'm the only one that'll call you. Okay. <laughs> You bet. Yeah. Okay. You really want it? Uh, well, not on the air. I don't. Uh, no, not on the air. You don't. I won't say that to Leo. Incidentally, <laughs> I gave out his personal email on the air, and he was really happy with me on that one. <laughs> I bet. All right. Uh, take care, Rod. All right, Rod uh, Pile PileBooks.com. He's got just great stuff. P Y L E. Okay, guys, we're done. Uh, coming up, it's uh, Gary and uh, Shannon for News and Brews in Lancaster. Just go to uh, the website, their website, and uh, we'll we'll do this again tomorrow. And, boy, what a news day today, huh? Oh, all right. This is KFI AM 640.